0: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v
1: And we begin the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Joined once again by the man with the, uh, the title of the show. He is Michael Lombardi of the Lombardi Line back there in New Jersey. Michael, got a great show for you on a Monday. Hope you are rested. Welcome back, my friend. How was your, your brief respite from v
2: you know, I feel great. It's it's always good to get a little vitamin D, some sun in you, and uh, get run around by four grandchildren and one <laughs> little baby. I mean, you know, it takes me about seven moves to get into bed to fall asleep. But other than that, I'm doing great. You know, I mean, it's really good. So... I'm aging. I'm growing older, but not up. Uh, That's always the best thing to do.
1: Yeah, you're not showing it. That's for sure, Michael. And, uh, yeah, look, it's the dog days of summer. We get so much football to talk about on the show today. But, of course, we're going to have Thomas Gable join us here uh, in this hour. Also, Will Hill, the king of New York, is going to join us. And in hour number two, go up to Boston. And we'll ship up there to talk to Josh Josh Applebaum as well. But it was a a bit of a sad note over the weekend that we know one of our more uh, beloved actors of all time passed away uh, from The Soprano like Paulie I don't know who your favorite character is if you can have one from Sopranos but Paulie was certainly mine you know without trying to be funny the comedic touch that he brought to the show in a very you know dark dark humor would be the lightest way to put Sopranos for those who haven't watched it but he did pass away I want to get your thoughts cuz I know how much you love the show as I do and a lot of Americans out there did
2: well, you know, the writing is so outstanding. I mean, David Chase, Frank Renzulli, Terrence Winter, all the people that wrote the show early on and then later were great writers, and they're great character developers. I mean, Neil Simon uh, was struggling youth in his, in his young age to write a play. And finally, you know, he had a breakthrough when he realized I wasn't making the characters interesting enough in Act 1 for the audience to see him in Act 3. And once he came over that hurdle, he started to really mount a lot of uh, ability to write great plays. And I think that what The Sopranos did was develop these characters mm. that you all wanted to see him in Act 3. Even if they got killed, you know, you wanted to make them come back. And Pauly was an interesting character. To me, the way they wrote Paulie, they wrote him like a lot of, you know, uh, uncles that I knew with the <laughs> Italian T-shirts and the medals and the tattoos on the arm. He was perfectly well, but I think what he brought to the character David is he brought those little pauses, you know, that laugh that he had, that ha ha, you know, and the way he, the way they described him with the Cadillac, the Godfather music playing, and his behavior and how clean he was and the way his house was pristine. It was really as authentic as you could possibly be. And, I, and I'm not sure, uh, you know, Tony Cicero was acting. I think that's truly who he was. And those pauses and reflection just added so much depth to the character that he'll never be forgotten.
1: Uh, totally. Well said, uh, Michael. Yeah, you know, just the way his, his relationship with Chrissy was uh, just it was fantastic on the screen the way the, those two their dynamic character kind of being his, his overtaker if you will and kind of looking after Christy early on uh, in his ascent in in the family there and just the, those one-liners the, the intervention scenes one of the funniest scenes uh, I've ever oh, seen yeah. where they have the intervention for Christy and Paulie really lets them have it uh, but just you know it, it's the one thing about actors and musicians uh, and, and, and great athletes you know even after their time has passed here you remember them forever uh, for certainly things things like this that you're just never going to f- uh, forget if certainly you're a fan of Sopranos like we were. Uh, it is sad, but, uh, but just an unbelievable acting career. And what a life. I went back on his Twitter feed, and uh, I saw some things, Michael, on there. Didn't realize he actually did time in real life yeah. and uh, became an actor afterward. And, and kind of what a crescendo to his life, uh, the arc of his. So it seemed like he really lived life to the fullest.
2: Well, I mean, he was supposed to. You know, he was sleeping on his mother's couch when he was trying to break in the acting. He had bit parts, and you know, he was up for the Uncle Junior character, and he didn't get it. And then Chase decided to write the Polly Walnuts character. Within it's a little bit much like Stevie Van Zant. Stevie Van Zant thought he was going to be Tony Soprano, and when HBO didn't want that, they hired Gandolfini. Then they created the role really based on 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 Stevie Van Zant's own own writing of Sylvia Dante and so it kind of was uh, it was collaborative in terms of this but what Paulie brought with that authenticity you know he was so perfectly cast that that we could fall in love with a narcissistic behavior because he was truly narcissistic. It was always about Paulie. It was never about anybody else, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, when you can do that, then I think that's what The Sopranos was. We love these characters, even though they were, they, were, they were not really good people and they were able to be endearing to us and we crave to watch them. Once again, it goes back to Simon. Make the characters interesting, you know, and that's what you fall in love with. And I think it's just tremendous.
1: Yeah, back in my, uh, my Fox days in Washington, D.C., we were so enamored with the show that on Mondays you know uh, Dave Feldman one of our old anchors now out in San Francisco he'd come in and he'd say did you see the episode last night and I'd say no I haven't he goes Tony dies which of course never happened but it's like ah you can't be behind on Sopranos and then go to work the next day because it was a water cooler show that everybody talked about and we would Play on repeat the intervention scene and just laugh, laugh, laugh at <laughs> Silvio and Paulie and the way those two handled Christy on that day. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you for taking a couple minutes there to reflect on it. Uh, before we get into the NFL today, you know, I looked up and I saw on the golf channel right now, Michael. I saw a live golf channel and I saw Tiger Woods teeing off. And I thought, wait, 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 wait. The open doesn't start till Thursday. Michael, they are showing practice rounds right now. Yeah, why not? I- and I just heard my buddy Carl Paulson on SiriusXM Radio on the drive in, and he's over there, and he says, he says, Michael, you cannot imagine the atmosphere right now over there in Edinburgh. I'm trying to say it the way they say it over there in Scotland. And they're playing at the Open, they're playing the Open Championship, of course, in St. Andrews, the birthplace of golf. And they say it's just it's a madhouse. Like the whole country is captivated by the 150th playing of the, the Open Championship, as they call it, we call it the British Open. And, you know, I'm seeing Jack Nicholas and I'm seeing, you know, he's out there just walking the grounds, and Tiger's playing, and Rory's teeing off. It looks like the Open's already started. The stands are already packed. It's a practice round.
2: Well, I think a lot of that is the you know, the discount kind of the way the league the, the PGA has kind of been splintered and by the unhappiness and the live tour coming in and I think that there's a unification and, and what better place to unify than history. I, I think what, what sells culture more than anything is when you can remember the history of the of the team that you work for. This is one of the issues and I get having different uniforms, but one's one of the things that really helps promote culture is the idea that you're wearing the same uniform that Jim Brown wore if you play for the Browns this great player Marion Motley Mm -hmm. Otto Graham they wore this uniform you're wearing it's the same thing it's a way to look back and I think the open over in Scotland certainly allows that and there's such tradition and even though sometimes for us as Americans we see it as god it looks like they're playing on a cow pasture it's just (laughs) endearing to know that this is the origin of the sport and I think it gives us a sense of 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 true appreciation for the history of the game.
1: I, again, well said. And I, I think you're spot on. I heard Jack say, Jack Nicholas, of course, when asked about St. Andrews, he says, you know, when I came over here, you know, 60 years ago, I didn't think that here we are, you know, six deca- days, decades later that the course would still hold up and he goes but it, it's a he said it's a magical place St. Andrews as the birthplace of golf Yeah. and then they asked Jack Michael this is so funny because you can go like Sean McVay right they asked Sean about a play in high school and he can recount exactly you know what the play call was and all these things they go Jack do you remember uh, do you look back at, at your at your career
0: He you know not really you
1: know I really don't look back I kind of always try to look ahead and they go do you remember your first time here he goes 1964 first round I shot a 67 <laughs> I had a bad end of the weather draw it was raining in the afternoon yeah. and I'm like they don't forget a thing Michael I mean no, the greats in any sports they can remember just the, the most minute details from six decades ago
2: you know it's a little bit what Al Davis told me when I first started working for him he said kid you got to live in the NFL you don't work in it and when you live in something you remember everything and you remember all the details of of what happens and how it goes about and I think ultimately that's what we see with these great athletes they live in it they understand it they remember the game and and you look back and you say okay here's what I did here's what I didn't do here's what I have to improve and they can't they can't get it out of their system right they can't it just isn't a button you could turn off and on you know you got to be able to do it so I'm excited to watch it. I like the fact that it's on early, especially for us here on the East Coast. Yes. We can get up in the morning and and start watching it and enjoy it. And even though, you know, I, I don't always understand the course, I love the history of the course.
1: Absolutely. And again, we've mentioned it before. Uh, Rory McIlroy is the favorite right now, about 10-1 to 1, uh, to win the Open Championship. You see the names up there. Kyle Morcala is the defending reigning champion at 20-1. to 1. He hasn't won since he won last year at the Open Championship, but uh, he's, had a, he's been a a little bit closer, I think, than people think right now. You see Dustin Johnson there, 28-1. to 1. He's one of the live guys. Mike, you touched upon it. I wonder what those clubhouse is going to be. I hope you're right and that we can kind of put the, the the acrimony aside of what golf has been really since February, you know, with, with yeah. the Phil announcement and it kind of, you know, he didn't go to the masters, which is the first major of the year. We're already here at the fourth and the last major of the year. And it just feels like for the last four months, Michael, we've been in this live funk, right? In this cloud that's been over the game. And I don't know if it's, it is bad for the game, obviously, because it's splintering it, but the talk of golf, I don't remember ever Having this much intrigue by a rival league, you know Rory McIlroy again, who's the favorite. He kind of said, "Michael, you know this thing doesn't have any place in golf." And then he said, "We need to sit down and come to a resolution." I was like, "What is this like Sopranos? Are We're going to sit down and have yeah. a big dinner and talk we this have thing a out." Sit down. We you need. need to have a we down. need to, like
2: Paulie when he had the sit down with <laughs> with you know with with Ralphie. You know, I mean, <laughs> right? and, and the no show jobs. I mean, we got to get that. Look, I, I think this. I, I I think you know what I what I think. Is happening more is that the guys who signed up for the live have finally said, "Look, we're doing it for the money." I mean, don't hide behind something different than what it is. Right? Like, be honest. Be like Pauly. Be authentic. It's about the money again. With the money, it's about the money. So, <laughs> you know, do it. And I think that that kind of peels back the layer about what, why are you doing it? You know, for Pat Perez, he made it very clear it's for the money.
1: I, I think you're again if if. People can deal with that. It might not be what they like, but people can deal with authenticity. So just be, yeah. tell us why you're doing it. And then people go, okay, I might disagree with it, but we're not going to sit here and be, keep belaboring the point because I think the live golfers try to hide behind this change the game thing. And really, it's a money grab. That's exactly what it is. Uh, Mike, we've got a big show today. We're going to get into some NFL when we come back here on the Lombardi Lana and the Sports Betting Network. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. So download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please get them responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 800 522 4,700 back alongside Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line. And during the break with Kevin and Matt Santos here, all we are doing was recounting Paulie, and Christopher scenes here. That's all we were doing uh, because it's just, it brought so many of us so much pleasure and joy watching the Sopranos uh, through those years. But since we last spoke as well, Michael, the big trade happened while you were on vacation. I say the big trade because it's one of the last dominoes that could really fall in the NFL from the quarterback position. Now we're waiting on Jimmy G. We don't think he's going to be back in San Francisco. We'll see how that shakes out, but Baker Mayfield, the time had run out in Cleveland and they finally do figure out a deal, and they ship him off to Carolina. Now, I know Sam Darnold is still there. It's very interesting now, and you got a rookie in Matt Corral. you got Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, one and two in the draft not that long ago. And here they are now as, as- – Teammates, I put that in air quotes. I wonder how that quarterback room is going to play out. But what do you make of this? Because the win totals, you know, we talked about it here uh, with Vinnie Mahuao here at South Point. Didn't change a thing. Does it change anything for your, in your eyes when you look at the Carolina Panthers led by Baker Mayfield?
2: You know, I, I think it really does, and I think Carolina has a bad rap. Now, full disclosure, my son works down there, and so uh, you know, I'm not trying to be a parent here. I'm trying to be a commentator. So mm-hmm. when I look at their roster. You know, and you see this team, it starts out 3-0, and right? And and they, and they everything was good until McCaffrey got hurt, and then all of a sudden things fell apart. But this is not a team that's devoid of talent. Like, this is a talented football team that didn't have a quarterback. Right. Uh, uh, you could say, is it Denver? Well, maybe it's not as talented as Denver. But they, they lost J.C. Horn last year, who's a really good corner for them. And they lost him early in the year you know, to an injury he missed most of the season. Their defensive front's really good. Derek Brown, Brian Burns, those guys can be really good players. And then when you look at their linebacking, Shaq Thompson played really well for them last year. They're, not, they're a good defense. Are they great, elite? I mean, they could be better if they could play from in front and utilize their pass rush. Last year, the offensive line wasn't good. But they get a chance to, to pick the left tackle. And Icky, Quanu, the kid from North Carolina State. They yeah. moved Brady Cushenson in, who they drafted in the third round of guard. They signed Bozeman as a free agent. They've improved their offensive line. And so now what they need is McCaffrey to stay healthy. They bring in Foreman, who was really good for Tennessee last year, to give them that alternate back that they need. I mean, they've got pieces now. This is not devoid. The and they need consistency at the quarterback position. But what I like about it, David, is they got competition now. But what that does for your team is it, it, it really creates competition everywhere else. Because, you know, people in the media, we're going to focus on Mayfield or Darnold. Who's it going to be? But now all of a sudden, if you're Brady Christensen, can you hold off Michael Jordan? You know, now if you're Ian Thomas, can you hold off Tommy Tremble? Mm. Now if you're, if you're Robbie Anderson, can you hold off Rasheed Higgins? You've got competition everywhere. And that competition is going to make the Panthers a better team. You know, last year, everybody was high on the Panthers because Matt Rule was in his second year. And Matt Rule's second year is always good, whether it's Temple, Baylor, and then they applied it. Maybe it's going to be his third year. Matt Rule didn't become a bad coach overnight. Like, you know, last, last summer we were talking about Matt Rule being a really good coach, and then he was going to – now all of a sudden he's a bad coach. Like, I think, I think they go over.
1: Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that is you mentioned it. They lost their two best players on both sides of the ball and J.C. Horn in my estimation uh, and certainly Christian McCaffrey offensively because I was on the Panthers last year and they were 3-0 and and it was that fourth game and I know you remember it and all of a sudden they go down to Dallas and, and McCaffrey goes after out after game three. I think it was a Thursday night win against Houston and everything well, changed. Heavy, yeah. Right, Everything changed at that point. And then they lose J.C. Horn uh, a couple weeks later and it really starts to spiral on this football team. Certainly from an offensive standpoint, the defense couldn't hold up when the offense just couldn't keep them off the field anymore. I like them as well this year, too. And six and a half, you can still get plus value at BetMGM if you want to take that over. Now, it does, you're right, all the, all the focus will go to Baker Mayfield, and you understand more than anybody how this works. It's always going to be the quarterback head coach that gets the blame and or the credit when things go well. You mentioned competition. Is this a real competition in your eyes, or do they oh. turn the keys over to Baker?
2: No, I think it's a real competition. I mean, look, uh, I think Sam Darnold's embracing it. I think Sam Darnold has basically said, look, I can understand it. And and let me put it this way. You know, I'm not a Baker fan. Uh, I wasn't coming out. But Baker's pro tape is much better than Sam Darnold's pro tape, Mm. right? There's no denying that, right? You know, one guy's thrown 60 touchdowns. The other guy's thrown 42. They both thrown around the same interceptions. Baker's better with the football, throws it down the field with, 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 yards per attempt at a higher level. So his pro tape's better. And so let the chips fall where they may. Don't go into this predetermined with, okay, it's Baker's. Let Baker show his skill set to lead the team, to take the team over. And I think competition rises. And so, you know, I think that the Matt Rule can do now is he's got a backdoor. What we don't want to do when you're in the National Football League is you don't want to be locked into one guy. Oh, my God, if this doesn't work out, we're dead. Now he's not locked into Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. He's got competition, and Ben McAdoo, who's you know, look, let's put, let's line them all up. Everybody's backs to the wall in Carolina. Rule McAdoo, Phil Snow, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, all the players, right? Mm-hmm. When you have that kind of mentality in a building, you get your best, you get your best players to play well.
1: You know, it's such a weird thing if you look back, and I'm just going off the top of my head. Maybe in the last twenty, thirty years here, Michael where, you know, you can see Tannehill kind of resurrected his career after a move from Miami, right? And, and that worked out in Tennessee. And now the questions about Tannehill are coming back to the surface now. Mariota is going to get a new chance this year down in the ATL to be a starter again, at least off the top. So he's going to get another opportunity. You know, I, I remember Tommy Maddox kind of had that resurrection from what, XFL, then he goes to Pittsburgh and has a great year. Rich Gannon resurrected his career, went all the way to a Super Bowl uh, with the Raiders back in the day. Does Baker see that? Does he, do you think he, he grasps that, okay, they said I wasn't even an adult in the room in Cleveland, right. and then they went and got Deshaun Watson to replace the non-adult in the room. That's got to be a slap in the face. Do you think it is a situation where he gets the gravity that, that this is possibly the last chance at really resurrecting his NFL career?
2: I, I think if you study Baker, and you study Baker, is Baker is an overachiever. Baker's not an elite player. He was a kid that wasn't recruited out of high school. He went to Texas Tech. He proved he could play at Texas Tech. He walks on to Oklahoma. He proves he can play at Oklahoma. When he gets to Cleveland, he's now viewed as the savior. He's got progressive commercials coming out the butt. I mean, all we (laughs) see is him, right? Now all of a sudden wait a minute. You've lost, you know, let's let's make this show about Paulie Walnuts, right? You've lost your authenticity, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. You're, you're trying to become somebody that you're not. You're not an elite. You have to work and grind, and you've got to do everything possible to be good. Not to be elite, just to be good. And I think he can do that. And I think if you watch him in, ni- in 20 – in 20, during the strike, during the COVID year, where he was good, and they were 11 and 5, and he wins the game on the road in Pittsburgh, and he's got the ball with five minutes to go, down 22-17 against the against the Chiefs, yeah. the eventual winner of the Super Bowl. He's got a chance to win that game. They don't do it. I mean, if he plays like that within that concept, he can be effective. But what I think hurt him more than anything is this mentality. You're the first pick. You're the star. Let's get all the commercials. Like, you've lost who you are. Mm.
1: Focus on who you are. Maybe they needed the, the Paulie Walnuts intervention scene for Baker Mayfield. and then They, they asked him, Right? They, 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 but they asked...
2: I think it's as much as the Browns' fault as it is as much as Baker Mayfield's fault. Like, if I were the general manager of the Browns, I would have called Baker's agent on the phone and said, Yo, dude, what are you doing? Like, seriously, like he doesn't need to be until he becomes a pro player. He don't need to be doing all these advertising. Everybody's going to resent this. Right. Like, you know, people don't understand it. how much people resent that within the locker. You haven't done anything. And now you have a sudden I got to see you every Sunday afternoon and Monday night. I mean, come on. 80-1
1: 80 to 1 to be MVP is Baker Mayfield. Bacon, Baker Reagan Mayfield, might I add, because he put that in the post, put his middle name out there. That's when I went, wow, he's really trying hard. Uh, you know, you mentioned the commercials. And Michael, I was there in, in DC covering uh, the team formerly known as the Washington football team, whatever they are. And they resented RG3. Remember you had all the subway commercials early on? Yeah, I of remember course. how it changed the locker room. I, I do. And it used to be that Robert would have his his scheduled day with the media with us on the same day with everybody else, then he had to have a separate day, and then they had to take him to the riser, and it wasn't in the locker room. And everything started to change, and you could feel it and talk to the other players, and they're like, yep, yeah, Robert's got to go be the show. He's got to be the star. And I don't know if it's, yeah. if it's the player's fault, if it's Baker's fault, if it's Robert's fault, or if it's the agent's fault. But somebody gets to these guys, and all of a sudden, it becomes about being a brand versus being a football player. And you see those no changes, doubt. and you can, you can literally see the change in the player. No doubt you can. And the team resents them. Yeah. And all of a
2: sudden, instead, of like, how are you? How do you have this deal? You can't even throw five completions in a row. You know,
1: so <laughs> I, I think that's a big part of it. You remember what Pauly said to Christopher in the intervention? He said, Pauly, and he says, no, uh, I, I don't write nothing down. You're weak. <laughs> it's just such a great scene. All right. When we come back, we're going to go back to the Borgata in New Jersey. Thomas Cable is going to join the program. Come on back. It is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today, you're going to get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. And about preseason coverage, we've got premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. So, if you want that full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. So, sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line right here on Vicent And, Michael, it is so funny to look up and see Tiger Woods walking and talking right now at St. Andrews. You would think it's Sunday, and he's coming down the stretch to win yet another Open Championship. There are just camera crews everywhere following this guy. Could you even imagine what that must be like just on a practice round and just the whole world wants a piece of you?
2: Well I mean he's he's so good at blocking out the distractions right so he's used to it I mean he's he can't go anywhere without somebody following him around so he he's got it and you know I think there's a sense of optimism because of the course, you know, it's flat. Uh, when we last saw him, whether it was the PGA or the U S open, when, you know, he had a, you know, Monday, he looked great. Mm-hmm. And by Thursday, you know, his body was broken down. You know, it's kind of like with me on vacation with five <laughs> rankings, you know, it's like, uh, it starts out really good, but the next thing you know, everything breaks down. So, uh, I think that's part of it, too. There's optimism that he might be able to actually win this. He knows how to play the course. He's familiar with it. And it's not going to be very hilly or challenging on his on his lower body to, to get around.
1: Well, let's bring in Thomas Gable, the director of race and sports at the Borgata, and continue that conversation very quickly. Because, Thomas, look, I've seen big bets out there. Some people taking Tiger at 40 to 1. The number's been kind of all over the map here. As you prepare for the Open Championship that starts on Thursday at St. Andrews, He's a sentimental guy. We all get it, but I'm watching him just walk around Thomas, and he looks pretty good to me. Are you already seeing Tiger money come in?
5: Yeah, we we uh, we have a little bit of Tiger money coming in, and he's, like you said, he's 40 to one right now. And again, this was kind of the one tournament after we saw what happened to him in the in the PGA, and um, certainly struggling there down the stretch of Augusta, uh Augusta, really. Due to the hills, and that's what he he talked about the the elevation changes here this is this was the torment that we all kind of pointed to and said there are, there it's flat there was not going to be any issue with him and the elevation changes, and we know his course history here and how much he loves this course so not surprising that people will be uh betting on tiger. And, uh, you know, I think we'll certainly see more Tiger money as we go towards Thursday and the start of the tournament. Uh, but right now, he's a little bit of a liability for us. Not a not a big one, uh, but a little bit of liability on Tiger at the moment.
2: Well, who else is getting the action? Is Rory? Is it Matthew Fitzpatrick? I mean, who's getting all the action here, Thomas?
5: So the most tickets written uh, – is that Will Zalatoris right now. Wow. And uh wow. he's down the 20 to 1. Uh now he is a liability for us. Our biggest liability just in terms of uh money is actually uh Hatton at 33 to 1. Ooh. And Hatton got off to a decent start there in the Scottish Open was in contention there uh but uh, uh fell off but um him, and uh also we're seeing some love for Shane Lowry, too, at uh, 25 to 1, so a decent amount of uh, liability there on, on uh, Lowry as well.
1: Thomas, I was thinking of you yesterday, because I know you needed the X-Man to come through, and Shoffley held up. Mm-hmm. It, it got to be a struggle there for a while, but the Scottish Open leader after the round one on Thursday was 9-under. Shoffley ended up winning the tournament at 7-under, so I wonder, we know how weather always is different over there, so I'll be very curious to see how this one uh, plays out over the weekend, because the scoring could be Really low, if it's easy conditions, or if it starts to get blustery like it tends to do, it could be very tough uh, at the the home of golf at St. Andrews. Let's get to the NFL here, because speaking of action, I know you're always going to take action on the New York teams there at the Borgata. We talked a little bit about the Jets over the weekend. I do wonder about the G-men, and it feels like under new management should be their motto uh, for this year here. (laughs) Uh, And right now we see it's 7.5. Plus money, if you think they can get to eight wins, plus $1.30, Right now, Thomas, are you seeing money come in on the over or on the under? Are people buying into the G-men?
5: Uh, we're seeing money both ways here, and, and you're seeing books kind of split. Some books are at seven and a half, some are at seven uh, for their season wins, and, and we're taking action uh, of both the over and under. So it's been it's been good two way action uh, for them uh, now. And that really, I think, if you bet the Giants, uh, that's probably the market that you want to look at is the season wins. Uh, for the NFC East, they're plus 650. Now, of course, for us, they're the second most wagers uh, in that market, only behind the Eagles. Uh, but of course, we we get the uh, the New York money uh, for the Super Bowl. They're 100 to one for the NFC, 40 to one, and again, second most tickets written on them, only behind the Eagles uh, to win the NFC. But as you said, new management probably takes some time to turn this around. Brian Dable takes over as the head coach and. You know, expectations are still low for this team this year. Uh, they had a quiet offseason in, in free agency. Daniel Jones will be back at quarterback and was the sixth overall pick in 2019 and struggled through his first three seasons. And when you look at that draft in particular, the Giants had three first-round picks. And Gettleman, I think, really kind of bumbled the ball in in that draft. Uh, DeAndre Baker was selected 30th overall, it cut in 2020 after an offseason arrest. Then you have Dexter Lawrence, at defensive tackle, who also probably hasn't lived up to expectations as a first-round pick. He's been a solid run-stopper. Michael, I'm interested in your thoughts here, how you think he will progress, though, in, in Wink Martindale's defense, which we know is always very uh, blitz-heavy.
2: Well, I mean, the tackles, what Wink needs is he needs two tackles that can play the run. So he signs Justin Ellis, who was with him in Baltimore before, Jellybean Ellis, who's always had a little bit of a weight problem. But he's an anchor inside, so it will give them some juice to anchor in there. But where he gets his pass rush from... Is problematic because I think he's got to worry about can he hold up at corner? Can Adoree Jackson hold up? Can he play healthy? Can he cover? Can he make a play on a football? You know, are they going to be good enough with Robinson, their third-round pick last year at corner? I, I think there's a lot of concerns here, and then I'm going to flip it a little bit on you, Thomas. I mean, the concerns is: is Daniel Jones any good? I mean, mm-hmm. when Dave said to start this sure. block off under new management, the fact that Daniel Jones didn't get his option picked up tells you they're under new management. Because I would have said, yep. had had this regime not Come in, regardless of the fact that they've won 22 games the last five years. They were committed to Daniel Jones. They they, they drafted him. They they want to stay the course. I, I'm I would be shocked if Tyrod Taylor doesn't give him competition for the job. I mean Jones I can't protect the football.
5: Yeah. Yep. yeah, I mean Jones can't protect overlooked. the football. I I agree. Yeah, and not to be overlooked, there is the addition of Tyrod Taylor as the backup QB and a serviceable backup for them. That was sorely lacking last season. So I, I think that was a good addition. And um you know we, we know Jones is mobile. Uh they have decent skill position players, but he you know, if he can't hold on to the ball, uh I would not be surprised to see Taylor.
2: You know, I'm I mean s- you look at the you look at the numbers and the numbers are so clear that they can't really play uh, you know, fast. Jones doesn't play with a fast pace to his game. He doesn't really play with a sense of urgency. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's a good workout guy, but he has real problems it, with when he does that. So to me, you know, I, I think they're, they're all saying the right thing. But I think when you dig deeper down in this thing, I think you see that they want to be able to to at least give themselves a back to give themselves a chance to at least be competitive. And I think that's why they signed Tyrod Taylor.
1: Yeah, I look at it too, gentlemen, and I see here Daniel Jones – is 130-1 to one to win MVP. Now, just to put that in context, Baker Mayfield, who we just talked about, is 80-1, to one and he's on the scrap heap. So, he, I mean, the, the odds just get longer and longer for Daniel Jones. I think you guys are spot on. He better worry about just holding on to his job uh, if he wants to be... A, we talk about Baker getting another chance. I wonder if that's going to come in another another uniform next year for Daniel Jones. But very quickly, Thomas, you mentioned about winning the NFC East at plus six, 650 here. No team is repeated in the NFC since you got to go back almost two decades to 2003, 2004 when the Eagles and Donovan McNabb were able to do that. So if history holds, are people taking the longest shot on the board and saying, all right, it's seems like this division for whatever reason, it's always upheaval. And I know Philadelphia is the trendy pick, but I mean, if this division is watered down, do you think there's still value in that price tag?
5: I, I don't, I don't because the three teams, the, that are in the division with them. I think you have Washington, who I believe is just a better football team on paper than the Giants at this point. Uh, and as you said, the Eagles are certainly the trendy pick, and uh, you would expect them to be a lot better than the Giants. And you have, then you have your Cowboys. And uh, still for me, the Cowboys are the team to beat in that division in the NFC East. And the Giants, I believe, probably are going to be a good two, three years away from uh, being a serious contender for that.
1: Wow. So there it is. I, I agree. Yeah, Mike, I was going to say, no no value there plus 650 if we don't trust the quarterback, right? You got to have a quarterback how that you always trust. Yeah, exactly. Right. How
2: can you? I uh, mean, the guy hasn't averaged over seven yards at a attempt in, in his career. I mean, how, how can you?
1: It, it feels like this is the last shot for Daniel Jones this year. So let's see if he makes the most of it. But you guys made a great point about Tyrod Taylor being right there waiting in the wings if things go south. Thomas, appreciate it as always, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. All right, thanks, buddy. Thank guys. you, TG. There he is, everybody. Thomas Gable, the director of race and sports book at the Borgata in New Jersey. When we come back, the king of New York, Will Hill, will join the program, get his thoughts on a busy day in the sports world. Come on back to Lombardi Juan and in the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using the code VEASTIN200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any MLB game in either team. It's a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM all season long. Sign up today with the king of sportsbooks. Eligibility restrictions to apply MLB trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non withdrawal free bets or set credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Back alongside Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross. It is always a pleasure to bring in the king of New York. He is Will Hill. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at not the Will Hill. Will, I find you to be a very entertaining follow on Twitter. I saw the consternation in some of your tweets yesterday with the Yankees collapse against the uh, the Red Sox last night. You do host the New York City cast here on VEASAN. I wonder, Metropolitans, they look in the rear view and objects do appear closer right now than they may appear. And that would be the Braves only a game and a half back. What's going on in this in the city of New York? Are people starting to think that the sky might start to fall?
6: Yeah, I mean, look, if you're the Mets, I mean, this thing was once 10 and a half, and it's now down to one and a half, two. So uh, you could look at it that way and say, when you're up 10 and a half games, you, you should win the division. But you could also look at it the other way and say, you know what? We haven't had DeGrom. If you're the Mets, we haven't had Scherzer for five or six weeks. We're in a division here with the World Series champs. And I actually think the Braves are better than they were last year. And we're still in first place. So uh, it's going to be decided head to head. They still have 15 games head to head, three tonight. They have a five-game series at City Field in August, then a four-game series in Atlanta. And they finished the season, the last three games of the year, September 30th, October 1st, October 2nd, three games in Atlanta. So uh, this thing is up for grabs. Mets getting their pitchers back. I'm sure they'll make a trade or two. Uh, Atlanta, I'm sure, will add some pieces here. Should be a lot of fun. These are probably two of the three best teams in the National League, probably two of the, the five best teams in baseball. So should be a hell of a race.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, there's no need to panic. I mean, I know you have a big lead, but it's baseball. There's 162 games. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't kind of get caught up in the moment of just one bad, you know, bad streak. Everybody's going to go through it. I mean, this isn't the 64 Phillies where they got, you know, a big lead and all of a sudden Gene Mock tries to throw the same pitchers week (laughs) in and week out.
6: Right. Yeah. And it's not even on the Mets. It's not like they've collapsed and played poorly. I mean, they're winning series after series. They played well. It's just like Atlanta seems to never lose. And we joked yesterday. It seems like they play the nationals or the pirates or the reds every single day. They've played great. They've had a soft schedule. Uh, so you look, the Mets are still on pace to win over hundred games. It's not like they're collapsing. It's just Atlanta's really good. They started out slow. Uh, the Mets are really good. It's uh, should be a lot of fun. It's really, it's going to be a close race. I think the odds reflect that it's basically a coin flip here in the market. Should be a lot of fun. And look, the loser still gets a a spot in the wild card, you would think. So it's not like if you lose, you're eliminated. There is a huge advantage to winning the the division. Uh, You get a chance to go right to the best of five. You have one of the two best records. So uh, a lot of good baseball ahead of us. Starting with tonight, Scherzer free. It's a hell of a pitching matchup.
1: And I know that you have a play in the first five, and you nailed it yesterday with the Marlins and the Metropolitans, your first five play. What do you like in today's action with Scherzer back in the bump?
6: Yeah. I'm going to go under again. And to go back to yesterday, that game was scoreless up until what this is what I hate about extra innings in the, in yeah. the ghost run on second. That game was scoreless until extra innings, pitchers, duel, a lot of strategy, you know, figure out a way to squeeze across a run. And then it becomes a clown showing extra innings. You get a guy on second. I get a guy on second. Totally. It just totally it, I, it's so bad. Uh, and i actually thought show should have bunted first and second. Nobody out. And I'm not a huge bunt guy, but Lindor was up. I think playing for a run there would have been huge. Bunt him over, get a fly ball. Probably could have won the game one, nothing, but I'm going to go back to under three and a half in the first five. Scherzer free, great pitching matchup. Mets are actually missing a lot of offense tonight. Marte's hurt. McNeil is on the paternity list and uh, McCann is out. They might call up their big time catching prospect Mm. Alvarez at some point this week, the rumor is, Uh, but Mets are down a few guys here. Great pitching matchup. I'll go under three and a half in the first five.
2: You know what I marvel at David with will Hill is his ability to coach and manage all these sports, you know, yes. he should have bunted here. They He's should right. have not kicked the field. I mean, it's just remarkable that the man has such a <laughs> ability to – exceed, there's no terrain that he can't cover in terms of managing and coaching and leading. I mean, you know, you turn on an NBA game, he can make the substitutions. You turn on a baseball I mean, I
1: I just marvel at it. I I really do. It's amazing, and it's almost like I'm getting Will to come around and my take the points of philosophy here early in NFL games, right? No, you'll never do that. You'll never do that.
2: This is a man who's uh, a man completely against any (laughs) in fact, if he was running a team, he wouldn't have a punter on the team. I'm not sure he'd have a kicker. (laughs) I'm not sure he'd have a kicker, but you know, he's he's part of that you know, this he's part of that analytical group that loves Brendan Staley, you know. Oh, he I loves know. those he loves those chances. <laughs>
6: I would admit even Staley, this is how, you know, Staley might be uh, going overboard. I was even off board with some of the decisions. I mean, kicking here, here's what I don't like kicking the field goal. When you're about to go to halftime, the field, the, the field position is a huge part of going for it. Yes. So like some of those times where he kicked it right before the half and you lose out on the field position, going, if going for it, fourth and goal from the five, even for me, Staley was a little aggressive, but I, I am generally a, uh, a go for it guy. And I
1: think we're, we I think we've come to a happy medium. I think we all understand you can kind of morph those worlds together to get the best out of it. I'm with it. The idea yesterday for the Metropolitans, you just need to scratch out a run, try to win the game. Brandon Staley, sometimes three would be good enough to win the game. That's the objective, Herm Edwards. That's what we're trying to do here. It's not about being the smartest guy in the room all the time. Let's stick with your NFL plays here that you have because, well, I think you think you've got some value in week one, and it might be going against the grain a little bit because the Eagles have kind of been the talk of the offseason, and I think rightfully so. I think they had a great draft. We'll find out how it pans out. And, of course, the big A.J. Brown trade. So now they're kind of a chic pick. The numbers have been really shorted for them to potentially win the NFC East. But you you might like the fighting kneecaps here in week one against the Fly Eagles Fly.
6: I'm kind of high on the Lions this year. I think getting four in week one is a good bet. Uh, the Eagles-Lions, that was one of the only games last year. Detroit was not competitive. Remember, Tucker kicks a field goal basically from the parking lot to beat them one game. They blew that horrible game on Thanksgiving against the Bears. The Lions were in just about every game except for uh, you know the Eagles and a couple other ones. But I'm just not sold on the Eagles. I think Hurts is more of a gimmick quarterback. I don't think their secondary is very good. To me, you're getting four. You're at home. It's going to be a a crazy crowd on opening day. A lot of enthusiasm for Detroit. I like the Lions plus four. I like the Lions over six and a half wins. Mm. If you look at their schedule, they start out home game against Philly, winnable, home game against Washington, winnable. They also have home games against Seattle, Miami, and Jacksonville. They also play the Jets. They play the Giants and they go to Green Bay Week 18, Green Bay might not need a game. And you always worry about uh, golf outdoors. Lombardi, you always joked, uh, table for two by the heater. There's not a lot of bad weather outdoor spots here with golf. The schedule kind of broke pretty well here for the Lions. I wouldn't be shocked if this team won eight games, nine might be pushing it. But I think over six and a half is a good bet. I think the Lions will be better.
2: Uh, You know, I mean, look, when you look at their team, right, and you say – their offensive line's pretty good, right? I mean, their offensive line. If Jameson Williams, the draft pick, can come through and give them that explosiveness to go along with D.J. Chark, I mean, they've got two receivers on the outside that can flat-out fly. The line is good. I mean, Sewell kind of got into a groove at right tackle. They moved Vitae into right guard. You know, Decker, the left tackle. So they've got pieces offensively, and, got, and they know who they are. Swift, I think, is one of the best backs to go along with. Jamal, that's a good part. They got better as the year went on on defense. I thought Aaron Glenn did a nice job. They were too slow, you know, and that's going to be a problem most of the year for them as they still are players away defensively. But look. The one thing about playing the Eagles in the opener is you kind of know what you're going to get. You can prepare training camp to handle this Eagle run game, which you need. When you play the Eagles in week four of the season and you haven't prepped for them, that Oklahoma run game becomes a problem. I think this was the one time that you can get something out of it.
1: Uh, for, for both you guys here, when I look at the division, right, 9-1 to one to win the division, and I know that would be a big leap for the Lions. But, well, because I think you you love the over here, six and a half. And I don't know what the Packers are going to look like offensively this year. I know he's the two-time reigning MVP in Aaron Rodgers, but now he doesn't have 17 that is trusted you know, outlet that he always has. Right Now he's got a rookie. How invested is, is Aaron Rodgers really going to be to get this rookie up to a Devontae Adams level? And can he do that? Is he capable of doing that? I mean, would you take an outside flyer on a division with the Bears still look like they're down? I know there's higher hopes with Minnesota this year, but we expect the Packers to come back a little bit. Could that be in play?
6: Yeah. If Rogers rolls an ankle or misses four to six weeks, which he's done in the past, it it becomes wide open. I think the division would be a stretch. I would look more somewhere in the middle. I don't know if we can get what four to one, five to one to make the playoffs. Remember now there's, there's an extra wildcard team. So it's not impossible that they could make, you know, be 98 and make a playoffs. I would think that's more realistic than the division.
1: Michael, do you concur?
2: You know, I I think it's more realistic. I don't see them winning the division. I I think the Packers are the better team, and and to me, the defensive holes will show up. I I like them to go the over total as opposed to the division.
1: All right, very quickly, got about forty-five seconds here. Will I know you have one more baseball play? The Red Sox that big dramatic win, come back uh, down six-two against the uh, against the Yanks yesterday. Got the Rays today. Who do you like there?
6: I like the Rays. Tough travel spot for the Red Sox. That game ended, what, 11 o'clock on the East Coast. They got to fly to Tampa. A little bit of a letdown after playing the Yankees. Bello's going to be a good pitcher going for Boston, but uh, not sure he's ready. He's only 19, 20 years old. So I like Tampa tonight in a good spot for them.
1: Got to check out the New York City cast. That's why I call him the King of New York. Will Hill. Always appreciate it, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. All right, see you guys. Will. Thanks for having me. There he is, everybody. Follow him on Twitter as I do at NotTheWillHill. When we come back, more NFL right here in the Lombardi line on these in the Sports Betting Network.